Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 291 with Peter Diamandis of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, Founder Fam? Hope you're having a great day wherever you are around the world. Feels like we haven't spoken in ages. I don't know, maybe because I'm batching these podcasts. Not sure, but I hope you're having a great day and we've got an incredible guest. Uh, his name is Peter Diamandis and this guy is one of my heroes. Like the way that this guy thinks is just absolutely insane he thinks so big it's extremely intimidating for me but at the same time after this conversation I really felt so pumped up so inspired and just realized that I could just do so much more and in this conversation we talk about his golden rule that he always follows when he's prioritizing what to work on next because he's got so many different companies his mindset Uh, His latest book, The Future is Faster Than You Think, How Converging Technologies Are Transforming Business, Industries, and Our Lives, and really what excites him the most about the future and so much more. He has over 20 companies in the areas of like space, longevity, venture capital, education, and he's got a ton of interesting predictions that I think you guys are going to find fascinating. So, I'm not going to ramble anymore. If you are enjoying these podcast episodes, guys, please do take the time to leave us a review wherever you're listening. And then also, like, we put out so much incredible free content. All I ask is that you share it with a friend. If you have any friends that uh, want to start a business, want to grow a business, want to scale a business, or 
anybody that you think will get any sort of value from these podcasts or any of our content at Founder. We're on a mission to building one of the largest entrepreneurial brands online to help serve you however we can. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump to the show. I know we've spoken before and it was actually around this time last year, which is crazy how fast time flies. Uh, But for those that are not familiar with you, how did you get your job? <laughs> well, I don't have a job. I, uh, I'm a kid playing and following my dreams. Uh, I think, you know, I grew up passionate about space. Apollo and Star Trek got me going. And I wanted to become an astronaut and then a space entrepreneur. My parents wanted me to become a doctor. And I went to medical school, make them happy. But at the end of the day, um, I ended up uh, really becoming an entrepreneur to make my dreams come true. And I think there is a, a moment in people's lives where you make a choice. Am I going to follow my own, you know, my own drumbeat, my own path, or am I going to do things with other people on their, on their drumbeat and path? And um, I was lucky. My first organization ever uh, while I was at MIT was a student organization I started called Students with Exploration and Development of Space. Funnily enough, Jeff Bezos was the uh, president of the Princeton chapter. Um, and uh, I had such an incredible emotional experience of, of creating a vision of something and then starting it and then going and implementing it that I became hooked. And so that's what I've been doing all my life. Yeah, wow. And um, we're going to talk about your latest book, The Future is Faster Than You Think, which is one of three books in the three-part exponential series. So you're really, really well known as someone that is very, very, I guess, proactive. And, and you know, you're, all the companies that you either invest in or the things that you do with, with the XPRIZE competitions, all around kind of emerging technologies and the wave of, of things that are going to happen and, and as technology is changing. So uh, what compelled you to write this third book of the series, The Future is Faster Than You Think? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think people are scared of a future that they don't understand and don't know where it's going. And fear is a terrible place to come from if you're trying to create the future. Um, and so this book is one that hopefully as people read it, will start to see where we're going across all industries in transportation, in finance and in insurance and in healthcare and education and retail and um, advertising and all of these areas. And to see that we're heading really towards a really hopeful and abundant future. Um, yes, there's going to be change. There's always going to be change. But the change that's coming is enabling people to to build an extraordinary world. And so this book is one that is a, a hopeful uh, look at the future, an abundant look at the future, um, and gives people a roadmap for where things are going. So as a founder and entrepreneur, you have a sense of, okay, this is the cool stuff I can go and create. Or as an executive in a company um, that's more of an old school company, uh, you can say, hey, this is how I have to future-proof my company uh, so it remains relevant and adds value uh, in the decade ahead. Um, 
you know, my my purpose, my mission is to inspire and guide people to create a hopeful and abundant future for humanity. That's what I do. That's what I focus on um, so that we're really uh, creating a world that we desire for ourselves and our kids. You know, as a, you know, many time founder of companies and I love starting companies. That's what my passion is. Um, you know, I, I believe that we're alive during a time where someone can make their greatest dreams come true, that we're going to create more wealth in the next decade than we have in the entire past century. So it's an amazing time to be alive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Due to the power of the internet and everything that's going on, like, this is one of the best times to be alive. Um, there's so much opportunity, more opportunity than ever. Would you agree? A, a hundred, not a little bit, a huge <laughs> agreement there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three parts in your book. Um, part one, power of convergence. Part two, the rebirth of everything. Part three, the fast of the future. Love to talk uh, about a little bit more about some of these parts. Um Let's start with the, you know, the power of convergence. It turns out that we're living in a time where it's no longer sufficient to be an expert in any one technology. You know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you could be an expert in one area, networks or sensors or 3D printing or the early days of AI. Uh, but today, the real action is the new business models that are coming out of convergence. What is convergence? Convergence is the coming together of two, three, four um, different exponential technologies to reinvent an industry, right? So um, autonomous Ubers are ultimately going to be the convergence of sensors, of 5G networks, of machine learning and neural nets, of, uh, of uh, Google Maps, of... Um, all of these different technologies enabling this future. And then out of the convergence of those technologies, a new business model, autonomous transportation, and then out of that comes amazing other business opportunities. I just uh, I have a venture fund called Bold Capital Partners, um, and we invest in, in converging technologies that impact um, you know, globally at scale. And we just had an investment in a company that I think is so cool. Uh, I'm having the co-founder and CTO close out my Abundance 360 conference this January. Uh, it's a company called Relativity Space, and they're focused on the convergence of robotics, 3D printing, material sciences, and and machine learning. And they've de they've dematerialized and democratized factory production. So they built this incredible factory, it's a virtual factory um, with a 3D printer at the end of a robotic arm that can print in aluminum and inconel, and they're 3D printing entire rockets. And I mean, these are not just small rockets. These are large, you know, uh, 10 foot diameter, two and a half meter diameter, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the height is, but to launch, you know, a couple of thousand pounds to low Earth orbit. And, um, and so ultimately, uh, that 3D printer can print a rocket in two weeks. And then if there's something wrong, it can, it can iterate and print a new version of the rocket two weeks later. Uh, in other words, there's no tooling that got produced that now has to be changed, right? This is a virtualization. And by the way, if they print enough rockets, now they can print a jet engine with that 3D printer, or maybe they, an airplane wing with that 3D printer. 
So this is this is a brand new game. And and this book is a look at how industries are changing. Right. We're reinventing education, entertainment, healthcare will be completely transformed. And the opportunities for for founders, for young uh, entrepreneurs to play in at a scale that was only possible by the largest companies is is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I know you talk about many different industries in the book and the rebirth of everything. I'm curious um, around the business component. Um like in the future, because like more than ever, I believe that the barrier to entry to start a business is easier than ever. What what do you think is going to change? Yeah, it is easier than ever. Uh, it used to be, I mean, I'll give you the example I love and I talk about in, in the book on the chapter of reinventing entertainment. Um, we went from a scarcity mind. We're, we've gone from previously a scarcity mindset in almost every industry to an abundance mindset. So in entertainment, the scarcity mindset used to be Hollywood studios. Hollywood studios controlled everything, right? A studio was the only place that had enough money to make a motion picture. And it signed the biggest stars, right? Marilyn Monroe worked for this studio, not for the other studio. And they had all of these sounds, you know, the the stages and the cameras and the film and so they were the only ones who could make entertainment or the TV networks, you know, had the had owned a channel two or channel four, channel five, channel seven. And those were the networks. What's changed is now we've gone from that scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset where now there are millions of YouTube stars. We've democratized um, the Uber creator. Right. And now my kids couldn't care a damn about studio created content. They are, you know, focused on YouTube content. So the same thing's going to happen in every industry. So the barriers are coming down. Uh, and it's really what value do you add to a person's life? How do you contribute to them? How do you make them smarter, happier, more passionate? Yeah. So if the barrier to entry is getting lower and will continue to get lower and all of these areas um, and industries are being democratized. Um, does that mean that competition will be fiercer for attention? Uh, there will be fiercer competition for attention. I think we see that right now. Uh, we are seeing um, uh, a, you know, a thousand, you know, 5,000, 10,000 uh, YouTube channels, so to speak. Uh, but What's also happening is that we have the ability to have a long tail of content where I, as an individual, uh, will be able to have just a lot more options and find that thing that I want. So, for example, one thing we talk about in the book is we're all going to have a version of an AI, uh, a version like Jarvis from Iron Man. I love that model. I love that concept, that, that vision of a personal AI an AI software shell that is, you know, wrapped around you that you give permission to read your emails, listen to your conversations, look at your blood chemistries, you know, through your augmented reality glasses. It knows what you're looking at. It knows what you pay attention to. And you might come home and say, you know, I'm feeling kind of down. You don't have to say that your AI knows that already. But you say, can you cheer me up? And your AI will find content that you might not otherwise find that's the perfect content for you, right? Oh, wow. And so uh, we can't 
our brains are not able to parse through a thousand different options, but an AI can. And AI knows what you've seen, what you've enjoyed, uh, and can deliver to you something that's the term I use is, you know, automatic and magical or automagical in this regard. Yeah, interesting. So it kind of makes me think like for people that are listening now that already have a business, let's just say they've recently launched it or, you know, they're a couple of years in, so they've got product market fit, they're getting customers, getting sales. What should they be thinking about around building a sustainable business uh, for the future? Because, um, and I'm sure you can attest to this after starting you know, over, over 20 companies, being, do, being a founder for a very, very long time, to build anything of true worth and significance really takes at least seven to 10 years. Um, what can people do to build a sustainable business, keeping that in mind and keeping the future in mind? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, people have this fallacy that things happen instantly, uh, that in fact, uh, it's not the way it is. Things move extremely slowly uh, and it does take sometimes a decade, right? I jokingly say a lot of my best successes were overnight successes after 11 years of hard work. And uh, you're lucky if you have a product market fit and your job is to continually uh, be listening to the customer building your brand, um, iterating, getting data and listening to the data. So we're living in a world today where you can run experiments and you can gather data and you can listen to the data and to through that data to the con- customers to, to uh, go bigger and better. It's also important for you to understand where the world is going. Um, and in the edutainment industry, right? Understanding where we're going with AI, uh, how much of this is going to be served up by Alexa or Google Now, how much of this is going to be in VR or AR. It's really educating yourself constantly and asking, you know, where might this go next? It's not becoming complacent with what you're doing and how you're doing it. But again, most importantly, is what does your customer want? And a lot of times your customer may not know what they want. You can ask. But a lot of times it is actually, it's just running constant experiments. If you think about the most amazing companies in the world, uh, you know, Amazon most definitely is one of those. And, um, you know, Amazon will run thousands of experiments per year. I think that's ultimately uh, critically important. You've got to be constantly iterating and reinventing and reinventing, remaining, you know, true to your core because you don't want to sacrifice your core, but constantly looking at what else can I create? I mean, there are people who bet it all over and over again, right? Elon Musk is one of those individuals. You know, he built on, on at SpaceX, he built the Falcon 1 got it working and then canceled the Falcon one and started building the Falcon nine only. And now, you know, announced he's going to cancel a Falcon nine and only focus on starship. Uh, so it's, there is a point at which, you know, you burn your boats as well when you identified what you want to do next and focus on that. Hopefully you've got enough revenue and enough, um, uh, of a robust organization that you can do that. 
But if not, I think it's it's the trapeze act where you're running your company, doing the best you can, driving the revenue, meeting your customers' needs, and then running the experiments to get the data to decide where you're going next. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult balancing act because um, if you follow or, or listen to a guy like you, Peter, you're you're very very you know ahead 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 ahead. This is what's happening. This is what's coming. You know, singularity. Um, and a lot of people have just kind of got their heads down, you know, and focusing on, on growth with something that they've found or, you know, like, you know, how do I generate sales or the found lot product market fit or, you know, they're, they're just trying to grow. And, you know, um, I, a while ago I read this fascinating book. It was incredible by uh, Jim Collins, Great by Choice. And he talks about this concept of, of firing bullets not cannonballs and and basically what he says is like you know you've got what you have to do is you have to follow this 20 mile march where whatever whatever you're you're doing um like your company has to stick to that core like your core business but then you shoot these like little bullets like little tests to see what's working in the market because you want to ride that S curve because every business has this this S curve where you can kind of ride that wave over numerous years. So by the time that your core business starts to decline, you've already got the next product, the next revolutionary service, the thing that is not going to diminish like over the next five years or in that point in time, you've got that sustainability. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, there are very few companies today whose revenue engine was their original business, right? Uh, Microsoft is not making their money on the disk operating system anymore. Uh, they were able to use the revenue driven by that to run experiments on the edge. And I think these experiments are the equivalent of those bullets. And they identified um, uh, new product market fits in adjacencies. So Amazon, for example, is the is the perfect example here, right? Starts by selling books and then starts verticalizing by uh, becoming not only just selling books, but publishing books and then getting the business of delivering books uh, and in the air cargo business uh, and then the music business and then the television business and then in the production of uh, television business, and then in the food business, and the, the healthcare business, et cetera, et cetera. So they're moving up and down the vertical chain, and then into adjacencies using their core capabilities. Um, and so this is the same thing for for any company, um, but you need to get your core business profitable, fine tuned, understand what you, what you have as your assets, and then uh, move your march up and down, left and right. Yeah, I guess the tricky part is is uh, that new stuff is fun and it's exciting and focus is key sometimes. Yep. <laughs> How do you know when like you can kind of step a little bit out and start exploring some of these new technologies and the, and the way that things are going to go? Because, you know, in your, in your, in your latest book and, and your series of books, this is really fun. This is really exciting stuff. Um but yeah, it's kind of like a timing thing. Like even myself, um, you know, our company's doing okay. We have around 40 staff. Um, we have a lot of different things going on. 
But I myself, I'm still thinking around core business day in, day out. Yeah. So listen, that's 100% is you got to have your core business um, solid. And when you have it fine-tuned, when you know uh, that if you when you understand your business, um, uh, I think once that is that level of confidence and understanding is in place, and then the other thing is, as the CEO, you need to be honest about what excites you. If you're getting bored with your business, um, maybe it's time to start to reach out. I mean, as a founder, you know, <clears throat> I find a responsibility to bring extraordinary passion to the table. And that passion comes from excitement and creativity. You know, the challenge becomes, and I suffer for this, and many folks do, where you become scattershot, where you're doing too many things. But it, it's a balancing act. Are you a very disciplined person? Uh, I am extremely disciplined in certain core areas. I'm disciplined in my morning routines. I'm disciplined in how I respond to people and make yes or no decisions on my time. Uh, I am uh, not as disciplined about uh, doing less. And that's part of my challenge is I spread myself a bit uh, thinner than I should uh, because I get excited about this or that opportunity. Yeah, I could imagine that. Like, like you must have so many ideas, especially like, you know, like in, in the world that you play in that you want to execute on. And, and all like, because you, you know, like the way that technology and things are going to change over time and, and you kind of have this, this playbook, right. And everything that you do through Singularity University and you've got so much going on. How do you know what to execute on? Yeah, I think that's a, again, it comes down to my personal passion. Uh, if I'm interested in something from a perspective uh, that's great. I might have my venture fund look at that for an investment. If I'm passionate about something, it's like, oh my God, that is lined, aligned with my massively transformative purpose, right? So doing anything big and the bold, big and bold in the world requires huge amounts of energy and time. You know this, and every founder ultimately knows that. There are very few overnight successes that were easy. Right. I was uh, just talking to Joe Gebbia, one of the founders of Airbnb yesterday. He's the chief product officer there. And he's to be one of my speakers at my my CEO summit called Abundance 360. Uh, folks can find out about it at a360.com. Um, and I've got the I've got Joe Gebbia and I've got uh, Chad Hurley, who was uh, the founder CEO of YouTube. And we're going to be talking about, you know, the realities of starting something that has global impact. And, you know, Airbnb is a perfect story of the ups and downs, the lefts and rights. You know, people forget Airbnb is 11 years old. You know, it's overnight success after 11 years of hard work and it died a thousand deaths in the process. So um, ultimately, unless you have a level of passion for something uh, and it's not about just making money, it's not a get rich quick scheme. Anything I've ever tr I've ever gone after just to make money, I have just um, I've killed it. I have uh, I have uh, I didn't I let it go because it was not my purpose. 
but I become clear about what my my mission and purpose is in life, right? So my mission, my massively transformative purpose is to inspire and guide a hopeful and abundant future for humanity. And so I think about that. I say that, you know, at least 10 or 20 times a day in, my, in the back of my mind or in my morning or in my shower, or my incantations in terms of, you know, I, I get the most I can out of inspiring and guiding people. So the work that I do with the X Prize Foundation, with my Abundance 360 digital community, with Singular University, all these things are about inspiring entrepreneurs and guiding entrepreneurs. Why? For them to create a hopeful and abundant future, right? Because ultimately creating hope and abundance in the world is what is going to make the world a healthier, happier place uh, and allow us to really navigate the next couple of decades ahead. Yeah, I um, that your your purpose uh, really resonates with me, and I, I align a lot of that with with the work that I do. So, I'm curious around, like you, you said that you started companies before just to make money. Um, I'm curious just to dive a little deeper on that because I think that's a common uh, trap that people do fall into. But at the time, sometimes people do start companies maybe with the idea to make money, but then they fall in love with the problem and they fall in love with the business and and the and the model. Um, yeah, because you don't you don't really strike some, me as someone that that would have ever done that. To be honest, it, it was so. Uh... <laughs> they were never companies that came to fruition because I killed them. It was like, if I saw something that was an opportunity, it's like, oh, that would be cool. And I'll go and think about creating a business there. Cause I love, I love the art form of creating a business of writing the plan of getting the economics of, of, uh, figuring out the product market fit and so forth. But after some time, it's like, you know, that just isn't meaningful to me. And I've, I killed that. Right. And, and ultimately, um, I've learned to follow my heart more than anything else. Uh, and uh, I think, I think yes, of course, I've started a number of nonprofit organizations and, and you know, probably two thirds of my companies, three quarters have been for profit. And I'm clear that making money is fundamental uh, to, you know, you need to have a profit is, is not, evil profit is a way that you can measure that you're adding value to people's lives. And so creating something that is profitable. And in fact, some of the most successful, what I would call philanthropic companies in the world are for-profit companies um, because they've got a business model that generates revenues that allow them to become uh, vibrant and grow and have greater impact on the planet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, that was something I was told early on, like the amount of, uh, Revenue your company generates is is a byproduct of how well you're serving. Um, so talk to me around, I guess, mindset. Um, people would look at you, Peter, and and be like, "Wow, like this guy is like crazy." And maybe, find, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe find that hard to relate. Like, what do you do to cultivate your mindset? Have you always, like, thought this big? I, so, again, a lot of my origin by luck, by circumstances, whatever it might be, was a result of the Apollo program and Star Trek. Um, 
I was born in the 60s. Uh, Apollo showed me what was possible. I mean, pretty magical to be having the human race going to the moon and actually pulling it off over and over and over again. And then here comes this, I, I love calling it this scientific documentary called Star Trek that is showing us where humanity is going. And this is hopeful vision of the future. Um, and I bought in, I became super excited about that. And my blueprint for life, which was we're going to the stars, uh, we're creating this amazing world ahead, didn't actually line up with the circumstances I was in, applying for NASA, trying to go to medical school, most of make my parents happy. And, and so when you have a, whenever you have an, a misalignment between your blueprint for life and what's actually happening, you can either become, uh, you know, sad, angry, pissed off, or you can change your blueprint or change your circumstance. And so I, I did effectively both of those things. Uh, my blueprint was one of going through NASA or going through traditional, I was like, uh, you know, screw that. I'm going to create my own mechanism for getting to the stars. And then I started my own changing my circumstance, which is I started starting companies in that arena. I started this group called said students for the exploration and development of space. I was the chapter president at MIT. I was became the national chairman of this organization. You know, Jeff Bezos was a Princeton chapter president and SEDS was amazing. I learned all about starting companies and organizing people in this nonprofit in this after school you know, after college program. And then I started a space university and I started a rocket company. And, you know, I had successes, I had failures, but I became enamored with the idea that I'm not going to accept what is, I'm going to create what I desire. And I think that the luck I had in the early days of creating my, you know, my global student space organization SEDS gave me the wherewithal uh, to know that it was possible. And I became addicted to that. And, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, you can see and feel, um, as many listening can, that, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a founder of a company is an amazing thing. Um, and uh, it's hard uh, and it's super rewarding. And once you've done it, I don't think you ever want to do anything else. So that's what that's what drove my mindset. And then, you know, I've created mindsets. And I think about, I think a person's mindset is like the most valuable thing they have by far. It's not their assets. It's not their connections. It's their mindset. Um, you take a amazingly successful entrepreneur like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, and you take away everything from them, but allow them to keep their mindset. And they are, uh, going to regain their wealth. They're going to regain their their incredible position on the planet. But if you take away their mindset, they're lost. And so be protective of your mindset. I you know I don't watch the news. I don't pick up a newspaper and read the newspaper. I don't want the you know um, the the fear mongering of CNN or Fox or any of the newspapers shift you know shaping my mindset. Um, so I, I'm have an abundant positive mindset. I look at the data. I have an exponential mindset. I understand how rapidly things are moving and the power we have. I've got a longevity mindset. I'm very clear about, you know, 
the ability to create vitality and longevity in our lives. So anyway, that's what I think about mindset. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, when, uh, someone once told me that if you if you think that you can do it in your mind and you're already just 100% convinced, like you just know that it's already done, that's like half the battle. Like that's half the battle. It's already, it's already done. Um, do you agree with that? Like 100%. Think- yeah. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. You know, if you if you can't if you believe you cannot do something, you're screwed. Uh, you're never going to do it. I mean, there could be luck, there could be other circumstances, but honestly, um, there is extraordinary power in in uh, a person's mindset. When someone comes to me and with this mindset of uh, of they know they're going to do something. People love supporting people who are, um, uh, who've got that level of conviction of this positive mindset. You know, think about the people that you like to hang out with and support, not people who are cocky or are irrational, uh, or just, you know, ridiculously exuberant, but a sense of, of belief and confidence. You've done the work, you've, you've gotten the data, you know that this is possible from first principles thinking. And, and, and then you can, you've executed before and they believe, okay, I believe in this person and I'm going to back them. Yeah, no, um, I, I know exactly the kind of person you're talking about. Um, so you mentioned first principles thinking just for the audience. Can you just give some clarity on that? Yeah. First principles thinking is a really important, um, concept. Uh, you know, when the, the people that has done the greatest tribute to this is again, Elon Musk, um, where when he set out and I knew him during this time, I met him back in 2000, 2001, when he just sold eBay to um, PayPal to eBay and he was becoming passionate about space and, um, long story. But when he goes to start his first rocket company, he looks at this from first principles, which is what should be possible. How cheap should it be possible to build and launch a rocket? Um, uh, how, uh, what is possible with reusability? And when he convinced himself of what was possible, um, he then was able to create, uh, and build the company and raise the capital and ultimately completely revolutionized the launch industry. And the same thing true from Tesla, uh, and building that automotive company. So you have to look at what your vision is and understand what is the what can, what does physics tell you is possible? What is ma- the cost of materials tell you is possible? What are the trend lines, right? So first principles thinking will, should tell people that we're heading towards an all electric economy. We have 6,000 times more energy coming from the sun and it hits the surface of the earth every single day than we consume in a day. Um, and that the look at the trend lines at the cost of installed solar and wind is plummeting and that the cost per kilowatt hour is dropping. So you can start to say, OK, I'm going to predict that in five or 10 years time, this is going to be possible. It's and I'm going to skate to where the puck is going to be, not what it is right now. Yeah, I love that. Um I love that idea because 
sometimes you, you know, when you, and it's already done in your mind, it can be easier to know that you can do it if you can see somebody else doing it or you can see another company doing it or you see it's been done before. But if it hasn't. Yeah, I mean, this is the breaking of the four minute mile. This is the, this is the company that pulls something off that is extraordinary. And then people say, why not think about that? So you know, why didn't Hyatt and Hilton and Intercontinental come up with um, come up with Airbnb as an idea? Right? Why didn't Avis and Hertz come up with Uber as an idea? You know, a lot of times it's the quality of the questions you ask yourself. So I'm always telling my eight-year-old boys, ask great questions today. And I'm telling CEOs in the, you know, the boardrooms I'm speaking to, you know, it's more important the quality of the questions you ask, not what you know. Yeah, I think that's a really great quality is, uh, that, that a leader possesses, like the, the, great, the, the better the questions, like really asking great questions. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, look, we have to work towards uh, wrapping up. Like, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Could talk to you all day, man. Um, so let's just kind of swing things back to the book. Uh, just coming back to the book, um, I'm curious around, I guess, what what is the area that you are most excited about personally that you think is going to change so uh, first of all, thank and thank you for bringing me back to the book. For for those interested, um, uh, futurefasterbook.com is the website, uh, and we have you know huge amounts of uh, of bonuses for folks who who do a pre order for the book, uh, including you'll get a, a copy of my last two books as well, Abundance and Bold. Uh, I'm doing a day long. Uh, uh, video webinar with Ray Kurzweil and Stephen Kotler and myself. There's just a ton of stuff. There's 750 bucks off of my digital course. Um, so it's 50% off for people who buy, you know, certain number of books in advance. So futurefasterbook.com. The stuff that I'm super excited about, and I'm excited about all of it in the book. I mean, and I go industry by industry, right? So there's a, a chapter on the future transportation industry, which is between Hyperloop, where I was a founding board member, uh, Uber Elevate, the you know flying car companies, the autonomous car companies, drone deliveries, we're completely reinventing where we live and where we work and how we spend our time in the future transportation. I think as a father of two eight-year-olds, I'm super stoked about how we're going to reinvent education, uh, which hasn't changed in you know 100 plus years. Our educational system right now sucks. It's built for an industrial age where you know, we had to teach certain skills and then the bell would ring. And then it's like an assembly line. The students move to the next part of the assembly line and the next part, and the next part. And we're teaching to the test. And I mean, when's the last time anybody ever, you know, factored fractions or looked at a multivariable equation? We teach stuff in school that you never use the rest of your life. And like, why do we do that? Why don't we teach stuff that is actually useful and valuable, like finding your purpose and learning about empathy and how to tell a great story and how to lead. And, you know, these things that in a world of, of technology uh, is, is critical. And then I, I have two chapters on the future of healthcare, which I think is going to become massively transformed this decade. I think the healthcare industry is, is 
lumbering and going to collapse under its inefficiency and weight, then something much more beautiful will come out, probably led by entrepreneurs, by companies like Apple and Google and Amazon, right? Tim Cook just recently said again that decades from now, Apple is going to be known for its contributions to health, right? They get it. That's where they're going. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. How do you just like, do like, do you do much like, like flat out research for these kind of stuff or do you just know it? Because of it yeah, even though, yeah. I'm reading every day. I've got, uh, I, I literally have built, and I'm going to be releasing it soon in an AI engine uh, that is my search engine. It's my who it, it is doing research and bringing to me content on the subjects that are where it looks for convergences of multiple exponential technologies focused on food or health or education or insurance, whatever topic I want. And it goes and it finds those and it brings them to me and summarizes them to me. So I have an incredible engine working for me and I have a team of a dozen who do this and I'm constantly uh, reading uh, all the time. And I have my venture fund. Uh, we have a quarter of a billion dollars that I'm investing in exponential technology. So I, lot, I see a lot of deal flow there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like the people that like run in your circles, you, you would see the emerging tech that's coming through, right. And what's possible. Um, just, yeah, I was really curious cause you're, you seem like so far ahead, but a lot of this stuff, it feels like it's still so far away. Well, you know, it feels that way, but it's, it's not, uh, we forget how extraordinary the world we're living in today. Right. It's like it's like watching something boil or you know, how can I say it? I mean, we forget that our our cell phone, you know, you like I probably just bought a new cell phone in the last year. Your old cell phone's probably sitting in the drawer and you think nothing of it. But that's a friggin supercomputer from 20 years ago that the KGB or CIA would have you know, abducted you to get. And we just forget how amazing the technology we have to change the world is. Um, and you know, we just, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we take a lot for granted, uh, and we just sort of accept it as the new normal. Um, but all these things are happening very fast. Yeah. It's a really good point you make. If you look at like the past five years of technology, how things have changed, you know, people weren't ordering, ordering Ubers. Um, you don't even really need a car anymore, do you? No, you don't. And when autonomous vehicles come online, they're going to be four times cheaper than than an Uber and four times cheaper than owning a car and far more efficient. You'll turn your, you know, your garage into a spare bedroom. You'll turn your driveway into a rose garden and your AI will always make sure you order your Uber. Your AI knows where you're going next and it will have one show up for you before you know you need it. Yeah, crazy. Um, look, a couple of last questions and we'll wrap uh so sometimes with when it comes to this stuff you read stories around <clears throat> it being too early you work on you know kind of people working on designing the future you know products and you know industries that are changing and and and, and there's an element of luck to it and timing um what's your take there there is an element of luck and timing, and I think it's important for people to realize that. Uh, Bill Gross, who runs Idealab, has a beautiful TED Talk 
uh, on this subject in which he looked at 100 companies that succeeded, 100 companies that failed. And he looked at the variables and said, hey, was it the experience of their CEO? Was how much money they raised? Was it the size of the marketplace? What was it that led to their success? And what he does brilliantly is basically show you that a lot of the success is timing. Were they there at the right time? And so my takeaway is build a company that can live long enough to live forever so that you are so that you're alive and doing well when the timing hits, right? I'm famously starting companies way too early. And my the the result is, therefore, I need to start a company that is revenue generating so that uh, it's not dependent on constantly raising capital. Because if it is, then you're not going to be there when the timing is perfect. But if you've got something that's revenue generating, um, even if it's just the first phase of your vision, um, you can be around when it, when you can pounce on the opportunity to go and, you know, go to, you know, phase 10 of your vision, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so final question, uh, just want, if you want to recap, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself, your work, everything that you've got going on across <laughs> sure. the XPRIZE, everything. And, uh, yeah, we can wrap there. Uh, very kind of you to offer. Um, first of all, this book, uh, I'm very proud of it. It's called uh, The Future is Faster Than You Think. If you go to you know www.futurefasterbook.com, um, at futurefasterbook.com, if you pre-order the book, there's a whole slew of, of massive benefits. You'll get a copy of Abundance and Bold, my first two books, which are the first two in the, in the Exponential Mindset series, plus a whole slew of other uh, uh, elements. It's, it's worth it to go and pre-order versus order it later. Um, uh, Diamandis.com, you can learn about all the companies. I'm very deep into the longevity world. Uh, I believe one of the most important things we can do is add 20 or 30 healthy years on our life, make 100 years old and use 60. And then I, I mentor entrepreneurs. Um, I have a program called Abundance Digital. Uh, and if you go to abundance.digital, uh, about 3,000 entrepreneurs. I'm on four webinars a month with them. Uh, we have an app that I that I uh, mentor them in. So if people are interested in sort of this exponential abundance mindset, abundance.digital uh, is where you'd go. So there you've got it. Thank you for your work. I'm grateful for it. Thank you so much, Peter. I really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, speak soon. Hope you have a fantastic day. Hopefully next year this time. Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome. Have a good day, mate. Bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.